The great leaders know their own limits. They don't try and do it all themselves. They build teams. They create space for people who are strong where they are weak. They understand the importance of checks and balances and the separation of powers. They surround themselves with people who are different from them. They understand the danger of concentrating all power in a single individual. But learning your limits, knowing there are things you cannot do, even things you cannot be, can be a painful experience. Sometimes it involves an emotional crisis. The Torah contains four fascinating accounts of such moments. What links them isn't words, but music. From quite early on in Jewish history, the Torah was sung, not just read. Moses, at the end of his life, calls the Torah a song. Different traditions grew up in Israel and Babylon, and from around the 10th century onward, the chant began to be systematized in the form of musical notations known as Ta'ameh HaMikra, the cantillation signs devised by the Tiberian Masoretes, the guardians of Judaism's sacred texts. One very rare note, known as a shalshelet, literally a chain, appears in the Torah only four times, and each time it's the sign of an existential crisis. Three instances are in Beratius, and the fourth is in our parasha. As we will see, the fourth is about leadership, and in a broad sense, so are the other three as well. The first instance occurs in the story of Lot. Abraham's nephew Lot had separated from his uncle Abram and settled in Sodom. There he had assimilated into the local population. His daughters had married local men. He himself sat in the city gate, a sign that he'd been made a judge. Then two visitors came to tell him to leave. God was about to destroy the city. Yet Lot hesitates. And above the word for hesitates, Vayit Mama is a shalshelet. He's torn. He's conflicted. He senses that the visitors are right. The city is indeed about to be destroyed. But he has invested his whole future in the new identity he's been carving out for himself and his daughters. Had the angels not seized him and taken him to safety, he would have, been delay he would have delayed until it was too late. The second occurs when Abraham asked his servant, traditionally identified as Eliezer, to find a wife for Isaac, his son. The commentators suggest that he felt a profound ambivalence about his mission. Were Isaac not to marry and have children, Abraham's estate would eventually pass to Eliezer or his descendants. Abraham had already said so before Isaac was born. He said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? So if Eliezer succeeded in his mission, bringing back a wife for Isaac, and if the couple had children, then his chances of one day acquiring Abraham's wealth would disappear completely. Two instincts warred within him. Loyalty to Abraham and personal ambition. Loyalty won, but not without a deep struggle. Hence the Shalshelet. The third brings us to Egypt and the life of Joseph. Sold by his brothers as a slave, he's now working in the house of an eminent Egyptian, Potiphar. Left alone in the house with his master's wife, he finds himself the object of her desire. He's handsome. She wants him to sleep with her. He refuses. To do such a thing, he says, would be to betray his master, her husband. It would be a sin against God. Yet over, he refused, is a shalshelet, indicating, as some rabbinic sources and medieval commentaries suggest, that he did so at the cost of considerable effort. He nearly succumbed. 
This was more than the usual conflict between sin and temptation. It was a conflict of identity. Recall that Joseph was now living in, for him, a new and strange land. His brothers had rejected him. They'd made it clear they didn't want him as part of their family. Why then should he not, in Egypt, do as the Egyptians do? Why not yield to his master's wife if that's what she wanted? The question for Joseph wasn't just, is this right? But also, am I an Egyptian or a Jew? All three episodes, in other words, are about inner conflict, and they're all about identity as well. There are times when each of us has to decide not just what shall I do, but also what kind of person shall I be. That is particularly fateful in the case of a leader, which brings us to episode four, this time about Moses. After the sin of the golden calf, Moses had at God's command, instructed the Israelites to build a sanctuary which would be, in effect, a permanent symbolic home of God in the midst of the people. But now the work is complete, and all that remains is for Moses to induct his brother Aaron and his sons into office. He robes Aaron with the special garments of the high priest, anoints him with oil, and performs the various sacrifices appropriate to the occasion. Over the word vayishchat, and he slaughtered the sacrificial lamb, there is a shall shall it. By now, we know that this means there was an internal struggle in Moses' mind. But what was it? There isn't the slightest sign in the text that suggests that he was undergoing a crisis. Yet a moment's thought makes it clear exactly what Moses' inner turmoil was about. Until now, he had led the Jewish people. Aaron, his older brother, had assisted him accompanying him on missions to Pharaoh, acting as his spokesman, aide, and second-in-command. But now, however, Aaron was about to undertake a new leadership role in his own right. No longer would he be a shadow of Moses. He would do what Moses himself could not. He would preside over the daily offerings in the tabernacle. He would mediate the Avodah, the Israelite sacred service to God. Once a year on Yom Kippur, he would perform the service that would secure atonement for the people from its sins. No longer in Moses' shadow, Aaron was about to become the one kind of leader Moses was not destined to be, a Kohen Gadol, a high priest. The Talmud adds a further dimension to the poignancy of the moment. At the burning bush, God had repeatedly resisted God's call to lead the people. Eventually, God told him that Aaron would go with him, helping him speak. The Talmud says that at that moment... Moses lost the chance to be a priest. Originally, said God, I'd intended that you would be the priest and Aaron, your brother, would be a Levite. Now he will be the priest and you will just be a Levite. That is Moses' inner struggle conveyed by the Shalshalit. He's about to induct his brother into an office he himself will never hold. Things might have been otherwise. But life is not lived in the world of might have been. He surely feels joy for his brother, but he can't altogether avoid a sense of loss. Perhaps he already senses what he will later discover, that though he was the prophet and liberator, Aaron would have a privilege Moses himself would be denied, namely seeing his children and their descendants inherit his role. The son of a priest is a priest. The son of a prophet is rarely a prophet. What all four stories tell us is that there comes a time for each of us when we must make an ultimate decision as to who we are. That is the moment of existential truth. Lot 
was a Hebrew, not a citizen of Sodom. Eliezer was Abraham's servant, not his heir. Joseph was Jacob's son, not an Egyptian of easygoing mor morals. Moses was a prophet, not a priest. To say yes to who we are, we have to have the courage to say no to who we are not. And there is pain and conflict involved. That's the meaning of the shalshalet. But we emerge less conflicted than we were before. This applies especially to leaders, which is why the case of Moses in our parasha is so important. There were things Moses was not destined to do. He wouldn't become a priest. That task fell to Aaron. He wouldn't lead the people across the Jordan. That was Joshua's role. Moses had to accept both facts with good grace if he was to be honest with himself. And great leaders must be honest with themselves if they are to be honest with those they lead. A leader should never try to be all things to all men or women. A leader should be content to be what he or she is. A leader must have the strength to know what he cannot be if he or she is to be, is to have the courage to be themselves. Hi, Pearl.